What's up, everyone? I'm Shane Larson from the Game Time Guru Podcast, brought to you by 208 Printing. Today on the show, we're bringing on a former BYU runner who just a few years ago made headlines when she came out as bisexual and was the first openly LGBTQ athlete at the university. You do not want to miss this episode of the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru Podcast where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's going on, everybody? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Excited to be here with you guys today with another interview with another sports figure here to share their story. And this one's going to be super, super special. You guys heard in the introduction. It's one that uh, we haven't had before, and it's the first time, which is exciting for me on the show. In almost four years, we haven't had a discussion like this, and I'm excited to bring on our guest. Her name is Emma Gee. Emma, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So before we even get into the nitty gritty details, like the fun stuff, we want to we want to kind of get to know you a little bit better as far as like your upbringing, kind of what, what got you into athletics, because you were a track star and at the collegiate level, you were a track star. So before you got into the collegiate ranks, what was your upbringing like? What were you were you an active kid growing up? Talk to us about your athletic background when you were a kid all the way up through, you, you know, college. Yeah, great question. I started in soccer. I played competitive soccer growing up. I was an outside midfielder, so I had the endurance to, you know, get the ball up the wing, but then I kind of struggled to pass it in at the top of the box. So not the best, not the best helper in terms of that, but I loved playing soccer. Quickly found out the best part of me as a soccer player was the fact that I could just run for a long amount of time. So I got into track also because I grew up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and on Sundays were church, which meant that I couldn't participate in athletic activities and running doesn't have a lot of races on Sunday and soccer does. So trying to move forward as a runner made most sense with my religious background and my desire to want to play sports in college. Interesting. Okay, that's that's really cool you said that. And another guest that we actually had on our show, his name was Tamir Goodman. Um, he actually, I mean, he, he's Jewish, so his Sabbath was the Saturday, and he actually, his whole story was like he had to make some decisions, big-time life decisions with athletics based on uh, Sabbath day activities. So mm-hmm. it's interesting hearing it from you. Um, obviously, myself and, and other listeners are actually members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so we're s- semi-familiar with, you know, the... Uh, the background there and the kind of like the quote unquote policies or whatever you want to call them as far as uh, Sabbath day observance. And so it's interesting just kind of hearing, you know, that, that kind of shifted you as far as going, doing running and racing. And so interesting as well, because my whole life, Emma, I was a, I was an athlete, um, played basketball, football, boxed in college, loved it, but I hated running. And it wasn't until like the last six months that I actually began to, to start liking running. Um, I've started running a little bit more. It's like, you know, longer races and so forth, half marathons and whatnot, but running, talk to us about that because you're a soccer player. We always talk about like, Oh, well, soccer, you run a lot and this and that, but did you love running just because it was like, it, it was just because of the Sabbath day observance that you liked running or like, did you actually enjoy doing it? Because for the longest time, I'm not kidding you. 
I absolutely hated running. No, that's, that's totally fair. Honestly, running is so uncomfortable and I hate most of it. But for me, it was just an opportunity where I could move forward and progress in sports the way that I want it. So I will say that the Sunday thing did, you know, come into play with my attraction to running because it does suck. Um, but yeah, no, I feel free when I do it. And I think when you do it for long enough, as I'm sure you know, it, it does get easier. But there's always that opportunity to challenge yourself. So that always keeps me coming back. That's awesome. That's super cool. At what point in your your athletic career did you realize like now running's not just for fun, but you're actually really good at it and you can do it at the next level, meaning at the collegiate rank and even at like more so than that, the division one collegiate ranks. I was a sophomore in high school and I took second at the cross country meet or the state cross country meet. And Colorado's pretty good in terms of distance running. So I think taking second got me noticed by colleges and they started reaching out and I was like, Oh, okay. This is something that I could do in college on a scholarship. Hopefully, hopefully at the D one level. So I think sophomore year of high school is when that first started. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So ultimately you go through high school. What was your high school running career? Like, did you have, um, did you win any state records, anything like that? Like what was it like in your, in your high school days by the time you finished your senior year? So I had my best times my sophomore year, actually. And then my junior year of high school, I went through puberty, which, you know, changes your whole body, you kind of have to relearn running. So I gained some weight. I got a lot taller, had to re-get my times, basically, that I'd hit my sophomore year. I never won state. I always made it to state, but Colorado was pretty good. So I've actually never won a state championship. I don't have any records, but I'm a solid runner and I show up when it matters, I guess. And I just wanted to continue growing through college. So that was kind of the high school trajectory. I was never the best one, but I was persistent. So that was what I had going for me. I love that. It's Hey, that's actually really, really cool. Like you understand that you weren't the best, but you always worked at it. And the the whole concept of like hitting puberty in the middle of high school, like that's what people don't realize is athletes competing at a high level, like especially on the female side of things, that can be very difficult. Like your body goes through a lot of changes. I mean, and you just mentioned them right there. Uh, I can imagine as a runner, that's, that's tough. I mean, just natural weight gain will happen because your body's changing. You have a growth spurt. You have to learn, re relearn how to run essentially. And when you said that, I would like to elaborate a little bit more on that. How did you relearn to run? Like, what did you have to do to be able to do that? I think it's like anything in life, you know, when you discover something about yourself um, that's new or that you haven't experienced before, you just kind of have to accept it and move forward in a healthy way. I think that accepting that my weight gain was healthy and that growing is natural and kind of having a woman's body you know that's just a part of life and it didn't have to impact my desire to, to continue running so yeah i think it's i think it's normal and life changes it's okay you know totally. i'll just kind of learn more about ourselves so yeah absolutely now for the listeners out here who are going to come across this show emma's story is super cool and it's not just because she's a runner it's also because of the stance that she took while she was in college and that's where I want to get some information from you because it can help so many people like your story. That's why I was so intrigued by your story is it, it truly opens the eyes 
of other people and it helps them become more open-minded essentially. And so this is where we want to talk about this. You ultimately decided to go to Brigham Young University, right? And like I said, uh, I myself am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We have a lot of people. I'm in Idaho, so obviously it's kind of <laughs> predominantly members of that same church. And then even the people who are not, they kind of understand who they are. But anybody else who is listening to the show, since it is worldwide, this this is just understand the background. Emma's brought up in the church. She's going to a school that is a it's a church school for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Brigham Young University. While you're there, this, it really came out public as you were the, it, correct me if I'm wrong, you were the first athlete to come out as, as gay. You were, you know, from the LGBTQ community as you're there, which is, is, is hard, I'm sure, there. So I, I want to get your background there. First question I have is, when did you know, when do you feel that you truly knew that you were gay? That's a great question. There actually was never one point that I knew that I was gay. Growing up in the church, I didn't have a lot of context for what LGBTQ plus feelings or relationships looked like. So that was something that I had to educate myself about. My first, I guess, experience being attracted to a girl happened um, most memorably my senior year of high school. And I definitely had crushes on girls through the early part of college, but I was still, like I said, educating myself about things outside of what I was conditioned to think in terms of sexuality and relationships. So I would say by the end of my sophomore year of college, I probably had a pretty good idea that I identified as LGBTQ+, and that was something that I wanted to progress with, I guess. Not that it's a choice, but that I was going to, you know, follow a path that led me to talking publicly about it. Totally. So you make that decision. And I want people to understand that's like you knew in, in your heart, like this is who you are, right? Mm-hmm. This is who you are at that point. So you're saying r- roughly sophomore year of college. Now you kind of, you're starting to take a stance now. It's been a couple of years. You're starting to like, you have those feelings and in any predominantly Christian school for that matter, that's a very difficult position to be in just because of Christianity as a whole in the background, right? So you're at the school. And my question that, that comes up is once you found that out about yourself and you're starting to come to terms with who you are and you're happy with that, you're at the school still where it's hard to be able to display that. Let's just be real. It's very hard to display that openly because of the policies at the school. Mm-hmm. How did that affect you as not only an athlete, but as a student at BYU? There were a lot of mental health issues on campus, I think, for many students, especially those that identify as LGBTQ+. I think it's tricky for me to talk about this at BYU just because I did grow up in the church, so when I went to the school, I did know what to expect. What I hadn't counted on was going to BYU and realizing my sexual identity, so I think that's something that is important. So I, in many ways, I navigated the school very comfortably. Like I understand the religion, I understand the culture, but when I found myself not being able to identify with the future in it, it was very isolating and there weren't clear resources available for students like me. And I found myself having to kind of either decide to like hide what I was feeling and hide how I was experiencing things or if I was going to put in the work to build connections and help create resources for people like me. 
so it was just kind of this decision between like, okay, you kind of have to create an environment in which you can feel safe or you just kind of have to kind of, I don't know, hide it, work through it. But I don't know, the latter just seemed very dangerous and there were suicides on campus while I were there, while I was there. And that just not, that wasn't the path that I wanted. So I think that's why I did what I did. Totally. So it's super, super crazy just to think about it from my, I'm trying to put myself in your position. You're probably what, 20 years old, 20, 21, maybe at that mm-hmm. point. I, I mean, relatively young adult, like a young human being having to go through this actual major, like part of your life and not feeling like you said, the word isolated is what came to mind, like isolation and, and not feeling um, I guess a part of something like you feel like that you, you were kind of alone essentially. And that's truly in our, in our world. That's kind of where we have all these mental health issues. You don't want that. You want people to be included. You don't want people to feel isolated. And one thing that always came to my mind too, when I heard your story is like, okay, so while you're doing this and you're still navigating, going to school there. And I mean, there are policies you have to, you know, there's, there's just certain things you have to abide by. So you kind of have to live that life if you're going to the school, because those are the rules of the school if you're going to go there. And then even competing athletically, right? As I'm sure you you know, and I'm sure you can't give names or anything like that, but you knew that there were other people that were just like yourself. Mm-hmm. Was it hard, even in the athletic realm, when you're traveling with your team members and stuff to keep it quiet? Or were you guys, did you feel like you were included in, in sports as well? Or did you feel there was some isolation in the sports world too? It's a really good question. I built healthy relationships with my teammates and I watched them progress with their sexuality. A lot of them got married and honestly watching their journeys is what inspired me to come out so publicly about mine. I wanted to progress in the same way as I saw them doing in life. And with BYU's policies, obviously that wasn't a possibility in school, but Traveling with them wasn't very difficult because I think I was pretty honest and upfront with them from the very beginning. Like whenever I realized something about myself, I'm not the kind of person that hides it. I just kind of commit to talking through it pretty openly. And I think that's where I do experience some privileges is because like my teammates were not the kind of students that were going to report me to the honor code office just because I was expressing these feelings and sharing my thoughts. And I had a coach who, you know, is not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And she had experience working and interacting with people that are LGBTQ plus as well. So I am privileged in the sense that when I was around my teammates, I did not feel unsafe, even though I was prevented from being able to progress the same way that they were able to in their relationships. Totally. Ah, super interesting. And the reason I bring that up is because in sports, I always tell people there's like in, in team sports, there's like this brotherhood or sisterhood aspect of that. Like you feel this bond and community that when people have competed in sports, they understand that they understand mm-hmm. that there's certain things in the outside world that can't penetrate the brotherhood or sisterhood aspect of, of sports, of team sports, because there's a bond that you can't, you can't understand unless you've been there. And so mm-hmm. that's what I was wondering. So it's really cool. And actually, eye-opening to see that like you have that support at least from your athletic teammates at what point in your collegiate career though Emma did you decide to say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna take a chance here and I'm gonna be me I'm gonna be me and I'm gonna come out at what year of your your college career did you decide to do that 
That was my junior year of college. I had been working on, I had started the diversity and inclusion committee for uh, BYU athletics the year prior. My whole plan was essentially like, maybe I don't need to come out. Maybe I can just kind of address some of these issues at BYU, just quite generally through a diversity and inclusion committee. But it just became very apparent working um, with the school on some of those initiatives that the idea of addressing LGBTQ plus inclusion, it just felt very hypothetical because no one had come out yet. And so as I kind of sat in some of these meetings and just got a little frustrated at how kind of dismissive people were around some of those things, I realized that it did need to become personal and that I was someone in the room these conversations we were having affected me and they affected many other students like me. So I think that's when I realized that coming out could be an effective way to kind of challenge the school and make it more real for them on a different level and kind of maybe hold some accountability there. It's much harder to dismiss a person that's been a part of your culture for years than it is just to, you know, pass by an obscure political idea, I guess. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. It's harder to dis- dismiss somebody. Like it, when it, there's a personal connection there, it's like, oh, now we got to pay attention. You can't dis- just dismiss it. And quite honestly, I think this is not just uh, an issue at BYU. I think it's an issue with humanity as a whole, right? But I mean, obviously, you were part of BYU and there's a culture around that too that uh, goes around that. So I, this is why it's so cool. Someone like you who takes a stand um, and just hearing how like brave you had to be to be able to do that because that wasn't normal. But understanding that at the at that time, like you just said, where they were being dismissive, you were observing those types of things and you're like, okay, well, they're not going to listen unless we make this more. It's a little deeper than that. And how did that affect you athletically? And what I mean by that is this. When you came out, and now people are starting to know, did that affect you? Did that put any more pressure on your shoulders because now the spotlight's on when you would go to your events? Or did you feel like nothing, you know, you just kind of continued on as it always was? Or did you feel like there were some more eyes on you, like, ooh, there's the whispers, like, oh, she's the, she's the gay one or whatever. You know, I'm not trying to be dis- dis- disrespectful now. I'm just saying, like, in, in regards to what the, the fans may have said, you know, like spectators. Yeah. What did you feel like? Oh, that's the one at BYU that said this. Like, wh- wh- what did that do to your athletic career? I felt nothing but respect, I think, from people. Everyone was very gracious with me. If anything was said, it was never said to my face. I just continued to do my best to perform as an athlete. I was really lucky to be on one of the best teams in the country, so I was never the best runner on the BYU team. So, I mean, I... For me, it was much more personal. I think that I'm someone who does compartmentalize any comments people may have about my sexuality for the most part. Um, But my relationship with myself is what impacted my athletic performance the most, knowing that I was stepping on the line and being honest with myself and my environment is, I think, what was most empowering because... I think that gave me more trust back because I wasn't acting anymore. I wasn't pretending or lying. So I think that's where it impacted things the best. And I was able to be more present when I was running and doing something that's physically exhausting. So that's how it helped me out. Interesting. Yes, I love that. It almost probably like freed your mind and is like, okay, now I can focus on what I need to be focusing on and not having all the extra extra crap on the back end of it, so to speak. I love that. 
super cool. So I have a question for you. Do you feel like you like, so actually I already know the answer to this. So I'm going to ask you a different question. How has your decision to do this and come out openly at BYU for the last, you know, year and a half, two years of, of your career there, how has that impacted BYU? What changes have been made since then? And how have you been able to help with that culture and the acceptance, I guess? Representation is important. And at the point that I wrote my coming out story and around the time that I was coming out, there were other students at BYU who were doing similar things. Uh, Matt Easton, he gave the valedictorian speech for the, I think it was like the family science department or whatever. His speech went viral. He came out during that speech. Also Cosmo at BYU. Um, and oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name, but basically the guy who dressed up as Cosmo and went viral also came out as gay, uh, Charlie Bird, my bad. Um, so we all kind of came out with our stories within the same like three to four months. And that was also when a huge conversation was going on at BYU about how the honor code, which enforces some of the homophobic policies, was being enforced in general. So I think the timing with me coming forward with my story was, it was just a very relevant one at the time. And I think it definitely empowered more and more people to challenge the way things are at BYU and just challenge their perception of what the student body looks like. It's really hard to consider BYU as just like this completely white, straight student body when, you know, Cosmo's gay. And oh my gosh, there's, you know, athletes that are gay. And oh my gosh, like the valedictorian is gay. So I think it's that kind of representation that just empowers more change. And I know that like what we did is just the beginning. You know, the generations that are coming in after me, they're much more vocal and you know, they're out from the start. And that's what gives me hope that like BYU is absolutely never going to be the same. And they're slow and progress takes time apparently, but I feel very confident that the kids that are there are gonna continue moving that work forward. And they protest and they speak up and I they're amazing, so. That's, that's, that's awesome to hear. And when, the question that comes up a lot now, I'm not a BYU person. I'm a Boise state guy. Um, I've always been here and I, I've never been a BYU fan. And even though I've grown up in that same church my whole life, served a mission, everything, I've always told people don't go to BYU. Cause I, I just, I just love Boise state, but that's just my own thing. It's that's more right. of a sports. <laughs> it's a sports thing. But w when, when topics like these have come up, um, whether it be your discussion or, or similar discussions that I've had with friends of mine, that served missions with me who have come out and so forth. Um, and, they held a little bit of resentment towards the school. And the question that would come up not just myself but was, well, then why did you continue to go to the school? Like people would ask that, like, well, it is your choice to go to the school. It's their policy. You're, you choose to go there. My question is this. Did you ever hold resentment, Emma, or did you actually like, you know, and, and why did you decide that you wanted to stay there after you had come out? Was it to make a change that you really wanted to be the person to like, okay, like I got a good education and I want to make a change. My, that was my question. I, I really wanted to ask you here. Yeah, that's the question I asked myself like every single day when I was there. It's the most important question, like what am I doing here? Why am I putting myself through so much pain? I think for me, I went to BYU because it was the best financial option. And at the time of deciding to go there, I wasn't in a position to express my sexuality and have that 
be a reason why I would not take this opportunity. And that extended through half of my college career, which is why I was there. Um, so yeah, the financial situation was a huge part of it. And then in terms of the, the pain and then the decision to stay with advocacy work, I mean, you're absolutely right that, you know, change can happen most effectively from working within. I know that there are many organizations that would like to go to BYU and, you know, implement things. And I'm sure if they were allowed and they could do that. But with BYU, the change has to come from within. And so I did recognize that my voice would be more meaningful being a BYU student athlete rather than someone who's just kind of commenting from the sidelines. There is, unfortunately, credibility that comes from someone who's kind of wading through it and living through it and is very much a part of the culture. I am angry. I don't think what happened is okay. I don't think it's appropriate. And I don't think my decision to stay there, you know, lessens the need for things to be better. BYU does need to adjust and they need to kind of strive for perfection the same way that they ask the student body to. Um, yeah. Those are my thoughts on that. Also, it's just the fact that, like, I am so, I had every right to be there. Like, outside of athletics, I was qualified. I graduated from seminary. I was student body president. You know, I was, I had my woman's medallion. The only difference between me and any other student is that I'm gay. So me leaving says a lot more about the university in my opinion than it does about me. Totally. I commend you for, for sharing that with us. That's, that's awesome to hear from any of us that are like sitting here trying to learn from you. Like this is the stuff I like to hear. It opens our minds. That's why I'm so intrigued by your story. I love it. It is absolutely fantastic. So I really appreciate you and commend you for, for the stance you took and just the insight you gave right there. Do you think Emma, if you were to rewind, let's say maybe, you find out maybe eighth or ninth grade earlier on in your life, you start to realize that you were gay. Do you think you would have made the decision to go to BYU at that time and put yourself through that? Or do you think you would have made a different decision? Cause there are a lot of people out there that might be in that position right now. That's a good question. I don't want to undervalue my religious identity and impact that that has played on my decision-making throughout my life. It's one of the reasons that I became a runner. It's giving me my whole context for what is right and wrong and my values. And so I don't know. It's it, it was so hard to be at BYU, and it was really painful. And it was still a safe space for me to process my religious identity, which I don't know if that would be true at other colleges. Um, maybe it, maybe it would be, but knowing my sexuality earlier, I don't think would have changed, um, how hard it would have been to like go anywhere else other than BYU just because of, like I said, the financial situation and I can't, like, I would just have to re rethink so many things. Um, you're asking a great question. I wouldn't want to put anyone through what I did. Um, because the mental health issues that can happen in that environment are really heavy and they're really, really sad and they're really hard. 
And so no, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, but I also understand that there are other identities that people carry that kind of get them there and keep them there. Totally. So it's, uh, I'm wondering though, cause like the experiences people are going through right now at a younger age, it sounds like because of the stance that you and some others took during your time there have begun the process of change, right? And acceptance. Now, like you said, it depends. Every university is different. Every community is different. Might be a little slow, but maybe that experience they have might be a little different. Might be a little bit, uh, quote unquote, better experience because of the stance that you took and the decisions you guys made to help people become less dismissive, so to speak, uh, more accepting, more inclusive, right? Like, Sorry including more that's what i meant to say so that's what i meant to say so i think yeah this is a tough question so i know i asked you a tough question because it is really hard there's a lot of like factors that would play into it plus the timing of it and the era in which you you know you find stuff out it's going to be different for people coming up so i appreciate you giving your insight there i also have a question here emma like running right let's get back to the athletic side of things right you not only running but running and having all the additional pressures and so forth going on what are some of like, let's talk about the top three things that running taught you that might've helped you throughout your life in everything that you've done, whether that was through school, whether that was through your, your sexuality and coming out, what did running teach you? Was it mental toughness? Was it, you know, what was it that, that running taught you that you can implement into your life now that you're done with college as you go on throughout your career? That's a good one. Uh, number one, definitely perseverance. I shared that in my story, but it's the number one thing. Running isn't easy. It's not convenient. It doesn't feel good most of the time. You put in a lot of work to have one or two good races, but I guess it's all worth it. So, it <laughs> okay. So perseverance, what's, what's another one? Number two, awareness. Running just keeps you very aware of your body. I mean, on just on a very physical level, you are in tune with your breathing. You can feel your muscles in ways that maybe you didn't want to feel, but now you do. The pounding. I just think there's an awareness that comes with running, and that carried into an awareness of myself when I started to realize that my experience was a little bit different than maybe how I was raised to think about it. So that was very helpful in processing my sexuality because it was something that I had to practice over and over again. In running is when you are aware of something in your body you make adjustments and then eventually you know it feels better because you're doing things more efficiently i dig that and as a current new runner i understand this now so i see it from a different perspective thank you for sharing that and what's number three <laughs> number three <laughs> <sighs> running is horrible um, so I don't know how to phrase this in like a positive way, but, oh no. Okay. Okay. I got it. It's like self-talk. It's self-talk for me. Um, okay. basically a huge part of running is the mental aspect. And after speaking with so many sports psychologists during my time as a runner, they basically just all tell you that how you talk to yourself influences what you feel and kind of your abilities in sports. And it's the same way in life. You know, if, you know, if you talk about your sexuality or religion or literally anything that you're processing in a certain way, that's going to influence, you know, the positive or negative ways in which you experience it. Maybe that's not fair. 
sorry, I'm like trying to talk myself through this one. Basically, I'm a big advocate for always be on your own side and talk yourself through it. And in that way, you can kind of challenge anything you are conditioned to think and talk your way to your own truth. So I'll, I'll leave it at that, but it's confusing and I'm still trying to figure it out myself. So No, I, I feel you though. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Thank you for the, the insight there too. Those are awesome skill sets <laughs> you've acquired through running that you've learned to go on post-college. This is life skills. And that's what I tell yeah. people too. Athletes are not dumb jocks. That's the biggest part. When I started this show almost four years ago in 2017, I always told people, I'm like, dude, I hate when I hated when people would say we're just dumb jocks. You're just a dumb jock. You're just a, no, 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 no. There's a lot of things that sports have taught me that I've taken into my, my professional career to this day. And I think that, that like the things you mentioned right there, perseverance, awareness, self-talk, just the way that you learn that through your, through your experience running is going to take you way far you can take those into whatever you decide to do which brings me to my next question emma as we finish up the interview what is next for emma gee as you as you go on what are we planning on you know you've had a couple of years that have been pretty like crazy the last couple of years <laughs> what are the next two or three years looking like for emma gee i am getting my master's in management from temple university i am trying hopefully trying to to my last season of outdoor track eligibility. So fingers crossed that that happens in the spring. We'll, we'll all see, I guess, how sports look in the spring. Um, I'm writing a book about my experience coming out at BYU just to you know, process for myself what happened. And then also, you know, hopefully that could be beneficial to anyone that wants to relate to something like that. And I'm in my first real relationship, so... Congratulations. Thank you. It's, you know, I'm learning so much. So that's kind of what the next two-ish years bring. But, you know, who can say? 2020 has thrown us all for a loop. So, you know. Yeah. Adjustments will have to probably be made here and there. But, hey, what what's the timeline for that book so that we can all get it? Because I'm going to have to promote that when it comes out for you. <laughs> so when is the timeline? What are we thinking when it will be ready? I'm still writing it right now. I mean, the coronavirus really threw me for loop because my last track season was supposed to be like the ending of the book, right? You know, I was trying to like have this whole whole thing. And then the last track season never got there. Coronavirus ruined it. So I'm technically still writing it. So I'm hoping within like, hopefully at the end of next year, it should be like good to go. But I may have to make adjustments and not include the last track season if things keep going the way that they're going. Hey, so. it makes it makes for one heck of a story though. So the ending's <laughs> gonna be fun to, to to read in that one because of the whole journey. But the journey continues, and that's that's yep. the most important thing. And Emma, once again, I really appreciate you joining me and letting me just talk to you and, and to our guests in all 80 countries that the show's been downloaded in, all 50 states. I hope that all the listeners here can take something from you. I don't care what your religion is, race, whatever, whatever your background is. Emma's story is super important for all of humanity, and I appreciate you doing that and being willing to share the story. So once again, Emma, thank you for joining the Game Time Guru podcast. Thank you, and thanks for having me, and thanks for empowering all kinds of stories. It's so important. Absolutely. For all the listeners out there, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. We'll be coming at you every single Friday with a new episode. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.